tired. Now I was getting strengthened from the inside out. But because we have an author and a finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Come on. The joy is the receiving of what the father had for him, which was to come back up to heaven and sit on the right hand with all authority to judge. And who is, he loves us so much. He's not calling to judge us. He's calling to judge the enemy because he wants to ingather us back to him. We are on this earth to be changed, to ingather the fullness of his family. And when that number hits, boom, Jesus returns. There is a count that has to hit and Jesus returns for the thing he died for. We are his vision of joy. We are his vision. He wants to commune with us up in heaven. Man, can you imagine dying and he hasn't even received the fullness of his promise yet? Every time someone gets saved, he gets a part. Every year, there's a certain count. He even receives every year. You know what I mean? But at the end, he will get the fullness of the ingathering. He will get the fullness. The most beautiful thing is when we start realizing we're here for a purpose and we've made our count and we've got to keep living by grace, living in grace, living with grace upon us, man, we can't get tempted. You are become, your passion becomes so targeted like Jesus because there's a joy set before you. And he's going to give you everything you need. If you have a heart's desire for something, guess what? It's coming, but it's going to come through passion. Remember, passion, is, passion isn't your desire to accomplish something as much as it is your desire to lock into a vision and not let go. Seeing God does everything through testing, he says he's going to test us. He says, the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Okay, so on our way, what do we have to, what's going to happen? Shame. Man, when God starts, when the Jesus when it's time for something to be exposed, while you're going through the endurance, while you're going through the affliction, you just have to what? You cannot, you cannot, you just have to go through it. You just let the Lord do what he is going to do to your mind. Despising the shame. Here is a man full of power and he was spit on, beat, pierced. Everything was done to him just to obtain the vision that was called on his life. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Isn't that awesome? God wants to give us power and authority on this earth to do what he has called us to do. And I'm so proud of you guys because if you're single, raise your hand if you're single, right? Man, we have to work with one and just make sure we're connected to where we're to be. And God will bring it out. Now raise your hand if you're married. Okay, married people have a partner. They've got to move. It's like, it's like if we were married... It's like working, here's an ox, I'm an ox, and we have this, we have a, uh, what, what's it called? The yoke on us. But she can't get ahead of me without what? Me, right? See, God has things set his way. He has a time for us when he's ready for us to be and paired with somebody, it's to move. You're going to still have to learn how to move as one, okay? Things can be done in the spirit, but then there's a time of growth. But God has it for each and every one of us different. I see marriages that walk in here. One's got it and one doesn't got it. But the one who doesn't got it keeps coming. So what does that mean? They're going to get it. <laughs> God is going to actually put them through a, po- a process. And he's going he's gonna to work out their shame. He's going to work out the unforgiveness. He's going to work out the rejection. So that his ultimate, pas- his ultimate passion for that couple starts to emerge. Isn't that awesome? The dictionary defines passion as fervor, zeal, obsession, infatuation, strong feelings, or a desire. Passion is love, a strong or an extravagant fondness, enthusiasm, or a desire for anything. So in this case, God wants us to be obsessed with him. He wants us to be looking unto Jesus because he is the one who's already wrote your story. So it's interesting. I don't know if everybody remembers Jamie. Jamie came in here and Jamie got saved, full of the spirit, grown up, and then sent out. 
Jamie didn't stay here really long. Jamie was sent here, but when Jamie came in, she was married. But every time she kept coming in, guess who didn't come in with her? Her husband never came in with her. Her husband never came in with her. Her husband never came in with her. Trust me, we were all working on her husband to come in with her. But remember, it takes the man to, to produce a divorce. It says the woman shall not divorce her husband. If a woman takes an action against divorce, she's, that's, not in God's, that's not in God's order. But a man, if a man releases a woman, you know, there's not much he can do. You know what I mean? But God is still going to do something with that woman. I want us to look about that when we work with somebody in partnership. Partnerships are so important in the body of Christ. And there is always an order of authority in it. In marriage, the word makes it really clear. The man is the head. You know what I mean? I love it when I watch couples where the man is the head. And it says if the woman will be quiet and submit and pray and watch lest she get tempted. And tempted doesn't mean another person. Tempted means in not yielding to the authority of the headship. Do you know God already has a plan to empower people to get over what they have to do? But we have to be led by the Spirit and be dedicated. Come on, I'm a woman. I've been divorced. So that means, guess what was wrong with me? What was wrong with me? I did not have the passion of Christ to know how to hold on to that. I was wrong. I'm actually the one that actually went and filed. And I know that, and but God has redeemed my heart. But I was wrong. Because if I knew what I knew now, guess what would have never happened? That divorce. So, I, and you know what? I was the type of person that went to my minister. I did in the Episcopal Church. I'm like, okay, we're not happy. What should we do? And the, God, the, the, the minister said, get divorced. Wow. He'll have to answer for that later. I am telling you. And he's standing, my husband's standing right next to me. If you guys are not happy... Get divorced. Man, we went and did it. It was done in two strokes of a paper. We split it. We had no debt. We split everything. Do you know what I mean? There was it. Now, I do smile at that because God does have an ultimate plan. But I also recognize that if I knew what I knew today, if you know more, you're more responsible. You are. You'll have to answer to that. And if you recognize it, then you ask for forgiveness and he will do what? He will forgive you. But now that's where... You can't change people, but you can sure pray and watch lest temptation take them away. Man, I have watched so many people and you can't ultimate, we're not God. We can't, we can't, you know, completely change people, but we can pray and we can watch and we can speak the truth, even if it what hurts. Because I, I have a passion for the word now. And now I want to stick to that. And I want to, you know, when people come to me, watch out. I'm going to lay in that word, no matter what it is. I'm not even going to tell them what to do until I know what the word is first. You know what I mean? And so I praise God because God does have a plan for each and every person. And so, but our passion has to be focused on him and him alone. I'm amazed at the marriages God has brought into this ministry that came in total disarray and then got what? <sighs> Change because they never let go of the plow. They never get let go and they never looked at the things around them. Mamie and Carl, the testimony is so powerful that they could write a book of what it was like to actually do it God's way. There was, come on, come on, you guys, right? The passion for God was greater than the passion for themselves. They suffered. They endured. They afflicted. They even felt like they died. Did you two feel like you died? Come on. If they, if they could have said, just kill me now, would you guys have done it? <laughs> I know you get to that point where you just say, you know what I mean? But God has a plan for everybody. So we just got to stay in him. You know, what is the difference between desire now? You hear that thing. Oh, the desire of your heart, the desire. How many people have the God wants the desires of your heart now? We're going to break that down because when I first heard that, I thought, oh, I'm going to list everything I want. God, I want the desires of my heart. Okay. And we can be so specific about those desires, right? But let's break down what a true desire is. Okay. Because Thumper, 
thought that he found the desire of his heart. But that was really Thumper's test. Was he going to stay where he was called? Or was he going to start to go off and create what felt was the desire of his heart? Don't you love that flick? Wasn't that awesome flick? I am telling you. I just saw it. Hey, ask, ask um, uh, Chris in the meeting. I saw this flick. And I, it just came to me. And it was like, wow, that's where God he kept giving me the verse last week. Pray and watch, lest, lest you will be tempted. The, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He showed me that Thumper had a great desire, which is, okay, desire. See, I like these words don't make sense, do they? Passion, affliction, suffer, endurance. Desire is a passive mindset. Passive mindset accompanied by an expectancy of realizing something in the future. Okay, so a desire is wanting something of your future. The desire, I love this, Mamie wanted a desk job. So her desire was to go to college, get her degree, and have a desk, right? <laughs> Slapped with a salary, right? That was, there was a desire for her. It was an expectancy of the future. She was going to college to get her degree to get the desk. Do you know how many people come over here and we give them a desk and, and hey, we give them a desk and they start to cry. I'm like, why are you crying? I always wanted a desk. Come on, think about it. Think about your first desk. <laughs> Everybody deep down has a desire for an office, for a desk, right? I mean, it's kind of cute because when we're young, I remember when I got my first classroom to teach kids, I went like this. Oh, <gasps> I got a classroom. I have a chalkboard. Chalkboards were what we didn't have dry erases then. <laughs> I was so excited, and then something hit me. Oh, my God, I'm responsible for these 25 kids. I'm going to mess them up, you know? That's exactly what I thought. That's what I thought when, when Gene says, oh, you're, we're going to ordain you. No, I could ruin somebody, right? <laughs> I have messed up. I can't do this. Do you know what I'm saying? Hey, let me tell you, there's a lot of renewing in the mind that's got to work through your soul before you get called to do something of authority. And you know what it is? Humbleness. <laughs> it's humbleness. It's such, I am thankful of the things I went, because it has humbled me to know that his word is more powerful than what I think, what I feel, and what I desire. A desire is a passive mindset. It's passive. Passive means what? You just, sometimes when you know you got that degree, then you know you're supposed to be earning that salary, right? Sometimes you lay back because it's gonna, you think it's gonna come because you're expecting it in the future. But it is, but there is a mental effort that lacks a firmness or a real fight. Let's look at Thumper. Thumper wanted a girl, right? So Thumper's going to the girl. He got what? Passive. He saw it. Oh, I can relax in her arms and she can twiddle my hair, right? All right, think about this. His desire got captured by the enemy and a passive mindset because of its expectancy for a relationship. All right? It was a mental, he lacked a firmness. He lacked the real fight of passion. So we can't mix up desire and passion. We can have a desire and expect for the future, but our desire has to be in his word. Man, he works us every year to believe in a word. How do you know what he's working on you? You know it because whatever circumstance is going around, when the desire of your heart increases, the desire of your heart increases, and he's shown you a word to stand on, you better stand on that word than that desire. Because he's going to bring you the flesh version before he fills you with what he has for you from the inside out first. See, before you receive anything on the outside, he's got to build a frame on the inside so you can handle that. Thumper couldn't handle it. Why? He became passive. He fell into her arms. Totally forgot about the vision of Bambi. Do you know what I'm saying? Come on, think about this. We have a desire of a future expectancy. Okay, let's talk about a pregnant person. Person expects to have a what? A baby. How long do you have to wait? 
nine months. Hey, when it's right about to come, there's some serious affliction. There is some serious suffering. There is some endurance that has to happen because God was already showing us a process. But a woman is still going to have that baby. That baby is going to come out no matter how it is coming. God wants us to remember that a godly vision is going to what? Come. We either delay it, we either delay grace, or we allow grace to do its work. We either delay, and doing its work means changing us. Thumper didn't get completely changed, right? Thumper didn't get changed yet. Thumper got stuck in midair. Did you all see Thumper stuck? His desire overrode his passion of the vision of what Bambi was going. All right, isn't that amazing? The skunk, of course the skunk was going to leave, right? You know, but not Thumper. Thumper was his partner, but Thumper still needed some renewing of the mind. He needed it. Isn't that awesome? We should be so excited that God created Thumper, right? To teach us this. Thumper lacked the firmness. Thumper lacked the real fight to hold on, but it, but it was the test. It was the test to see, is he ready to receive? How do you know you're ready to receive? Okay, on Thumper. If Thumper was ready to receive, Thumper would have saw her, hopped over to Bambi and said, Bambi, let me talk to you about this chick, right? Let me talk to you about her, all right? Then he would have waited and waited for, waited for God to produce it to him. He wouldn't do anything. He, in fact, when we have a true passion, we give up on all the other things. We just look at that. We just look at the passion of Christ. And then before you know it, God adds things to you. How many of us have that? God added something to you that you needed. He knows everything we need. He knows what every bill we have. He knows every desire of our heart. But our passion has to rule greater than the desire. And then the desire gets met. The bills get paid. A house comes. A car comes. Everything that you need to do your job. A wife, a husband, a partner, a business. I, I, I'm trying to think of anything I'm missing. Our health. Man, our health. The first partnership we have is us and our body. Our body has to be able to work to do the things God has called us to do. We have a partnership with our health. So our desire cannot be passive. Passive would say, I'm taking the pills and I'm going to take the pills. Because these pills say, this will do this, this, this. Passive is taking the alcohol and taking that thing and say, Wow, if I have a shot of alcohol every night, I'll get to what? <sighs> Relax. See, it's finding outside things to bring an inside fulfillment that Jesus hasn't finished yet. And he wants to see the level of passion you have to hold on because he is going to restore it. Remember, passion is a spiritual energy. It is a driving force that molds a person's lifestyle. When we get up every morning and we pray to God, we worship God, we read the word, we're being molded. We're being formed from the inside out so that he can bring the desire that he has for us. That's what I love about Mamie and Carl's story because as they started realizing what true passion was, and guess what true passion was? God chasing them, not them chasing each other. The true passion of Christ is because God wants to chase us. And as we start connecting in pursuit of his love, it says we love because he first loved us. So when we get a taste of his love and we start putting the pursuit on, now passion starts. And the passion is so much for him, he adds everything else of the desire. Because he knows if we were left to our desires... We would be so passive. <laughs> there's a song I heard today. Carrie, we went to lunch, and there's a song, and it's a love song. And, you know, we're just in a regular restaurant, but it's, it talks about how if a woman who is in love, all she wants from a man is things, then she misses the most important thing in life, and that is to work with somebody in love. But sometimes women just want to be, you know, in, in this song, a woman just wants to be satisfied with a good car, a good husband, a good resume, a good everything, but they really don't have love. See, as we move with Christ, we have to balance the spirit and the soul to be in love 
And that passion comes first, then the things. See, we're taught in the world, our desires, if they get first, how many people have said this? Come on. Okay, God, if you just do this, I'll do this. Hey, I'm not, hey, let me, you know, I mean, I got 10 fingers. God, if you just do this, you know? So, I mean, but we're not to work like that. We are to, we are to say, okay, Lord, change me, show me what you've got to change in me. And I already know you will fulfill a desire of my heart. I'm not even going to tell you which one. Just, I'm going to pursue you because you have pursued me. And now there's a passion. And then everything else becomes unexpectedly added. We have to make sure that we know that we have to mold a personal lifestyle, a mindset that is driven, actions until they fully accomplish what he sees. See, God starts showing you what he sees. I know about illness. He sees us all what? Whole. So now you have to start seeing yourself whole, whether you feel whole, you have to start seeing yourself whole. Now meditate on his word of wholeness and then boom, now the exchange is on. And then there's a desire of your heart that can only be met because you're whole physically. Do you get what I'm saying? The enemy loves to keep us sick because sick puts us right in what? Bed, gravity pulls us down, pulls us down when he didn't have us for that. Okay. When we fail to lose our passion upon our God-given dream and vision, we lose it on our fleshly appetites. Okay, here's what the enemy does. You want to see what the enemy does? So the enemy brings your desire. Okay, remember, a desire is a mindset that wants to fulfill something of your flesh, not the true passion of what God has for you. All right? So the next level that happens is when your dream or vision, it starts to get lost and you don't worship him. You don't press into the next level. Right now, everybody's being asked to go to another level. The next level hurts. That means you have to go further, press in more, call out his word, confess his word more. And then all of a sudden, if you don't do that and you're called to go to the next level, you fall into your bed and when you fall into your bed then now the enemy comes and he oppresses you and this is when lasciviousness sets in in fact the devil is so good at trying to get you to think more about your flesh than about the passion for the next level then he starts now icing on he knows he's got you so now he starts icing on everything that's going to make you just be weak because you haven't been fulfilled in the flesh. When if you worship him and his word will fulfill your flesh. See, he can never give you the desire till the void is filled by him. So if it's a job, well, then you better focus on your job with God because he needs to fill that passion of that job before he gives you your physical job. Same thing with a person. He's got to fill a space in you before he gives you that person. If he gives you, no matter what it is, He has got to fill the void, the absence of self-control. I'm serious. It's the absence of self-control. That means you're willing to say, hey, let me tell you something. I have met people and I am happy for them to do what they want. I really am. But I'm not now that I know the word. If the word says this, then then I believe in that word for them. And that's the only thing I'm going to talk about is that word. Because I don't want to go to Jesus and Jesus come and say to me, Lee, you knew that word and you told them to go do what they wanted and you didn't stick with me and you knew better. See, I want to come to a point. I don't want to be lasciviousness, a lewdness. I don't want want to be in control of God. I want God to be in control of me. Okay? So if I lack friends because I stick with the word of God, then so be it. Because I am not going to stay in a lewdness. Now, I can't make anybody do the word, can you? All you can do is encourage the word in love. Encourage it. Be excited for them. Hope that it's going to manifest. But then I did my job. And if the person dissipates and goes and does their own thing, you have to let them go do their own thing. Unless you are married to that person, 
you know what I'm saying? And you're living with somebody, then you better be start pressing in some prayer. Because if you're in covenant, your prayers mean everything to God. God does not, he will do anything to keep a covenant together. He says, but guess what he's going to do it? You have to have a passion to hold on to it. That's what, that's what I love about Carl and Mamie. They didn't have a passion for each other. They had a passion for God. And when that passion for God set in, woo, I'm telling you, when they get up and tell their full story as time goes on, I say that because the biggest thing we suffer with is relationships. Relationships with our mom, relationship with our dad, relationship with our sisters, relationship with our friends. We want, hey, there are married couples that you'd rather call a friend before you talk to your husband. Out of order. Out of order. Women need to go to their husbands first on everything. I've made those mistakes, you know, and look where I ended up. Lasciviousness, lewdness operates in the following areas of your life. Okay, so tell me if you've been tempted here. Sex. Come on, single people, right? Food. Come on. Everybody has to eat food. Okay? Come on. We are a fatty nation, right? We eat good. But food actually can cause our energy level to fall on our bed. If you eat too much carbs, you want to fall asleep. Wake up, you sleeper, right? Man, when you start getting on the food thing, I mean, God already has a physical body for us to manifest on this earth what he has called us to do, okay? And we all have different bone structure. So you can't judge anything by weight. You've got to judge how you feel. If you find yourself sleeping more, get up. Change your diet. Because if you're sleeping more, it's because of depression. It's because of food. It's called lack of touch. It's called whatever. You get in spirals. And guess who sets in? The devil. Okay? See, Thumper lacked something. Thunker, Thumper ended up hungering for the other little rabbit. Because something in Thumper wasn't fulfilled enough or solid, firmly set that got him distracted. So when we're, when we're, when we, oh, come on, right? There are some times where it'd be so easy when you're home alone. Come on, I want everybody to think about this. It's called grazing. How many people just go graze in the kitchen? And you stand in front of the refrigerator. Come on, we've all did it last night. Come on, right? And you're in the middle of the night, and that is when God is saying, worship me. Don't open that refrigerator. Don't look through the, you know what I mean? He wants you to enter into something out. I'm telling you, when you start complaining, my husband and my wife, there isn't enough sex in the marriage. I'm going to tell you something. Then there's a place that God has not fulfilled in you. Because it says, if a woman loves her husband as much as she loves the Lord, okay, that's not a problem. <laughs> if a man is connected to the Christ and loves his wife as much as the church, they are like bunny rabbits, right? Okay, I hate to say it. So if there is a lack, then there is a space the Lord doesn't have because we've been abused. No, come on, women and men. We've been abused about sexual, re sexual relations. We think it's an obligation because, hey, the Lord says his body's hers, her body's his right? But that doesn't mean, remember, leadership doesn't mean to control a person. It's to lead, okay? If a husband and wife are not led towards each other, the most amazing thing to see in this ministry is when a man worships God and the wife is just all googly over it. I'm going to tell you, a man who worships God, that's it, falls to God. Come on, women, where we, ah! right? We're going to love that man as much as we love the Lord, right? So if, if a married couple starts to complain about sex, the first thing I think is, all right, how much is he loving her as the church? And how much is she loving the Lord? Because if she's all not getting close, then there's a disconnect with her and the Lord. Somewhere he's trying to redeem something. If there's a disconnect with the man and how he views how Jesus loves the church, then there's a disconnect. See, so I want, I mean, the most important thing is when marriages start seeing the beauty, that's what I'm telling you, you can see it. 
I'm at Paige and Carrie. When Carrie is on, Paige is la, 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 like she is just loving her husband. I've been on vacation with him. It's so cute. Do you know what I mean? But that's because they have already surrendered their life to Christ, not to the physical desire of sex. Not, we, not to the physical desire of food. Hey, come on. What does it say? When a woman gets, is married, right, and she gets into depression, she starts doing what? Gaining weight because she starts eating more what? Food to fill a void that Christ never met. Men too. Men can eat because something of a void has not been met. Come on, we all know what depression feels like. Depression is a low pit that you lie on your bed and you feel like you can't move. And then boom, less, less civiousness, lewdness now starts to gain ground. You're not, we don't want to be lewd. Lewdness starts to inject itself on us. All right? That means, okay, a divine passion. Oh, wait, let me get this. Lewdness operates in these areas, sex, food, and the self. Me, 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 me. Anytime you're about to say me, 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 that's the third area. Sex, food, me. Selfishness. Divine passion is an unrestrained force inside a person, just as lasciviousness is to live unrestrained for evil things. So if you are eating too much and you are just grazing and eating and eating and eating, you are inviting something evil into your lifestyle. Okay, is everybody getting this? When we fall to these areas of selfishness, sexual approval, and food, those things feed the what? The flesh. When somebody goes out and gets into debt to buy something, it's the same thing. They're gaining it for self-desire, but they weren't given the money to buy it. So the enemy comes, Thumper goes and buys a Mercedes. Do you know what I'm saying? Because he can borrow the money to do it. Because the money was tempted before him. Talk about materialism. How much materialism is set before us? You can have this. You can have this. You can have this. And we didn't wait for God to give it to us. We didn't hone in on that passion to say, God says he's going to take care of me in all things. Do you guys get this? All right. So there's a deep thing. We either lived in an unrestrained force from the inside out for Christ or we're going to live in unrestrained influence of evil. And when you get depressed, you've just, I'm going to tell you, the enemy just sits there and says, what can I do to touch their flesh? What can I do to entice their sexual appetite? What can I do to offer them the best piece of cake that they can eat the whole cake, right? What can I do to get them to go out and buy something for themselves without money that I have given them. We live in a very lewdness society. We really do have to be unspotted in the word and hold back those things and wait for God to deliver them. Okay, so remember, passionate individuals, a divine passion is to live without limits for the things God has in order to accomplish for his purpose and his vision in us. How do we know what that is? The word. If you are reading the word, the word does not say we're supposed to be sick, does it? So you better find all the words that says why we're not, where, where, what it is. And then you start meditating on it. We have to know the order of his word. The word never says, it says you will be weary, but you will be strong in me. So if you start getting tired and eating too much, you need to start finding who strengthens me, food or him, him. When we truly fast, fast comes on you, a fast where you don't want to eat anything. All right, when that happens, God's about to do something. He needs you not to eat to gain another perspective. See, the only way we can get out of perspective is to get out of self. The only way we can gain perspective is get out of food. The only way we can gain, uh, gain um, a better vision is to not have sex. It even says that a married couple can do what? Abstain for time to come to another level of him. 
Man, every marriage in here better have times of abstaining for another level of him to go to another place. And you know what? If we're single, he expects that because we are not protected any other way. If we're involved in anything, we are not protected. We open up ourselves to disease, anything that he wants to befall on your life. And you can't even, it doesn't have to do with your, it doesn't have to do with your uh, genetics. It has to do with, are you in the order of God or are you out of the order of God? See, he can't protect us when we're out of his order, but the enemy sure can start injecting selfishness in those areas. So those who are passionate for Jesus are possessed by the divine vision, which wakes them up every day to rise over oppositions, daily battles and routines and uh, monotonous routines. They have an apostolic sense of destiny. How many people in here have an apostolic sense of destiny? I know you do because you're here. Nobody comes into this place as much as they do if they don't have an apostolic taste for their next. These people recognize the urgency. We recognize the urgency of holding on to Christ's vision that he promises that I will show you things before they happen. He says, I'll show you. He'll even prepare you for all things before they happen if you're able to hear those who can see and those who can what? Hear. Man, they will defeat the enemy as they move. Okay? I liked it. Thumper seeing and hearing. Remember, he heard her voice. He saw her. Remember, faith comes by hearing. Then we can see into the realms of God. But when temptation comes by hearing, and then we see what we really think we want, We've just missed God because God already had it in the plan. See, this is what's so awesome. There are some things that you can see and you know, but that doesn't, but you have to wait and know that God does it. You can't go out and go get it for yourself. If I only have $10 for dinner, then I'm only going to go in the store and buy what? $10 of worth for dinner. Okay. But God, I can go into that store and say, I can get anything that's worth $10 and then everything can jump off the shelves at me. But God can say, I want you to go to the vegetable counter and get 10 times more vegetables than you can three candy bars. Do you get what I'm saying? And those vegetables will sustain you more than those three candy bars. Do you get what I'm saying? See, when you say, I have $10, the shelves shake. The shelves shake. Take me home. And the things that jump out to you most are the colorful things that are not good for you. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to be funny too. Hey, we are called to be peculiar people. We are called to a different call. Can you please put up Zechariah? Uh, I just want to end on this note. But Zechariah 1210. I I'm going to get you guys excited now before you leave. Because if you have these three things then guess what? You are on the way. You are on the way to not falling into temptation. Zechariah 12.10 says, now remember, Jesus already came as our firstborn, right? Jesus came to show us the way. Hey, that man had a desire for us. Let me tell you, when your desire is for another, is for another, for the cause of Christ, you're going to win. If you're going you're gonna to win, there's a winning in it. The Lord says, now this was written in a time from a prophet who was already predicting Christ's return into the earth. The Christ, the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one was coming. And that in that, a great grace we were going to experience. He was actually going to manifest the spirit of grace in our lives. He was going to birth grace to happen in all of our lives. It says, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Okay. Jesus was born in the lineal in the lineal lineup of what? David. Okay? David was a what? Worshipper. David would dance around naked, right? All right? Cuz David wasn't worried about having sex. David wasn't worried about eating. David wasn't worried about his flesh. He was going to do what? Praise God. I'm not telling everybody to come up and get naked. I'm just saying that 
When you worship God, you enter a place that you're not worried about people. You're not worried about people. You just love him. We are all descendants of the house of David. We are all descendants of the house. So when we recognize he's going to pour the spirit of grace on the house of David. How many people are in here are worshipers? Right? Okay. Worshipers is you're not looking around. You're looking up. You are looking unto Jesus. You are holding on to his promise. You are passionate about staying in that relationship. So that you can that you can actually create a path in the wilderness when you think you're going to be attacked, but little thumper's girlfriend not going to come and take you off temptation. Okay, all right. And it says, and okay, so he's going to pour this on the house of David, and now the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, when you look it up, means peace. Jesus was born out of Jerusalem. Jesus had to go to Jerusalem to do what? Die. Okay. Jesus already showed us how to. He already died for us to have peace. So we have to be an inhabitant. What's an inhabitant? It's somebody who actually dwells in that mindset. We can't dwell in our desire. We have to dwell, be an inhabitant of peace. Peace is passion that knows that it's going to get what God has promised not to go after the desire. Peace, peace doesn't have to try to puff themselves up. Peace doesn't have to make themselves more attractive. Peace doesn't have to go apply for a loan. Peace does not. Peace will go buy the vegetables because they're not worried about the sweet. They're going to take the health. They're going to take the wealth. They're going to take the building that God has shown them to do. All right. I love it. So when you enter that peace that you know he is mine and I am his and he is going to bring me into wholeness because he promises just like that chart. Grace restores to wholeness. Grace establishes a solid foundation. Grace provides a strength to stand firm. Remember, desire doesn't stand firm. Okay. Grace brings his best and fullness of his promise. Man, I am telling you a seed sown into his promise in the right soil is going to produce the need God has already has for you. So, but you first have to be what? Part of the house of David, you got to worship. And then you have to be what? An inhabitant of peace. Okay, you humble yourself to that peace of knowing his word does not come back void and there is no weapon formed against me that's going to prosper. Get it? Okay, but the weapon that prosper is the temptation. Not an arrow being shot at you. The temptation, the thing that looks good, the candy bar, right? All right, so, and it says the spirit of grace and supplication is going to be poured upon those two things. But then, then, then they will look upon me, right? Jesus, whom they have pierced. Man, ah, oh, that means you, before you can even receive the next level of grace, You've got to know you're a sinner and that in your sin, you have pierced the greater one. I mean, come on, I put my shoulders down. If you can't admit you're a sinner, then you, you're, you, the grace you're getting is not his grace. If you can't admit, Thumper got frozen. And then even though Thumper chose to be entertained, I'm hoping after the next scene, Thumper realized, oh, I don't want to pierce Jesus. I want to go, I'm going to stay on my assignment. You know what I'm saying? See, the enemy pulls us away, whether sickness, whether a job, whether a person, whatever the flesh is in touch with. Because we were like, I'm not a sinner. I'm saved. I'm saved. We have to remember we're born into a world of sin. Grace helps us overcome, but we've got to be in praise. We've got to be in a platform of peace with him, knowing I'm a sinner. There is never a time that you can't reflect and say, I have sinned. I am a sinner. Now, that doesn't mean you want to actively sin. Thank God for 1 John 1, 9, if we promise to confess our fault. When he shows us the word, hey, I'm going to tell you one of the things, and, and, and take this really interesting. When I was growing and I started becoming part of the house of David, and I started getting into peace. You know, I was praying. And I can hear the Lord tell me a scripture. Half of the time in the beginning, I didn't even know the book existed. Just to let you know. 
I heard Numbers 5. And when I heard Numbers 5, I was like, Numbers is in the Bible? Okay. Numbers 5 was about the adulterous woman. And the Lord said, you have been an adulterous woman to me. Not only in the earth, but you have been to me. And see, oh, what did I feel? A piercing in my spirit. And then I actually had to say, I was an adulteress. Isn't that awesome? When we can actually know what we've done and we know that he really forgives us for it, come on, you have gotten in a place where now the spirit of grace is going to be poured upon you. Okay? And it says, yes, 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 they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. That means, can you imagine how the father felt when he turned his head? And he couldn't help his only son suffer on the cross. That means when you realize you have pierced Jesus. When I realized I was an adulterer. I had to like really come in. I had to be able to say it. I was an adulterer. Now I can say it because I know I'm free. But in the beginning, you are on your knees mourning that you have pierced Jesus. And if anybody hasn't gotten in the fetal position of knowing a mourning of when you missed it, let me tell you, grace goes by you. It doesn't come to you. It's not going to be poured on you. Man, our love for one another has to be so great that when I see someone else in sin, that I'm going I'm to help them. I'm not going to slap them down. I'm going to work with them. I'm not going to change my position. But when they're in pain, guess what? Then I will bear the pain with them. Because Hebrews chapter 5 says, I was a sinner. Hebrews chapter 5 reminds us we need to be weak with them because we were once there. I'm going to tell you, when I I had a dream, this is a dream two nights ago, and I, I, I had asked, who in here is a sinner? And so many people would just put their shoulders up and like, oh, I, I'm not, not me. They People couldn't even come to terms that we are born into the earth where if you the only way to know his grace is you have to actually have what sinned and the first thing he tells us in jeremiah is don't ask why these things are happening him anything's happening to you just say where have i sinned where am i not with you and guess what here's the best part how much darkness is in the person down here is there still darkness in the person down here then that person still has what sin Man, we put leaders up on this this station that they need to be so holy. It's not like that. It doesn't work that way. Leaders are still working out their sin day by day. We don't look at anybody as they are more holy than the other person. Everybody is needed as a pillar in the church. But guess what? When somebody has a sin going on and you see it, you better go love them. And if God knows you know the right word and you can tell it in love, Share it with them, but don't desert them. Still what? Love them. Still love them. Because we should actually grieve with each other and grieve for him as one who grieves for his firstborn child. You don't think, hey, I love the father. Why? The father kept his own promise. He said he was going to send us a restorer. He was going to send us a deliverer. And he was going to send somebody. And he actually sent his own son. Think about it. Isaac was willing to give up his, I mean, Abraham was willing to give up his, his son, the one that was the promise just to change, have something change in him. So I just praise God and I honor him. And I hope, I'm sorry if this was too long, but I want everybody to know passion is not passion for something. It's passion to hold on and willing to keep going. Even when the desire of our heart seems like it's tugging us away, the desire is still coming but it's got to be from him. It can't be from ourselves. Okay. So I want everybody to meditate on those things in your life and say, keep looking unto what Jesus, whether it's a job, a person. I think I tried to cover all the elements. I don't think I missed an element today. Do you know what I'm saying? There's nobody in here is sick. There's nobody in here who is not so unloved that they're not going to experience a great relationship. There isn't anybody in here who's not going to experience a job that's going to make them so excited to do what God has called for them. There's nobody in here who's going to be in lack 
and not receive what God has for them at the right time. He has it all. But guess what? We can't be like the pen that drops on the floor. We actually have to make an effort to be like the house of David and praise up. And as we're going through the turbulation, stay in your peace. Let peace inhabit your soul. All right, I just praise God. I love you guys. I love you guys because you can see the changes happening in people. You see the light. It was amazing. I saw someone the other day that I know God is really working on, and it was like I got mesmerized by the light on this person's face that I wanted to hug and kiss them. And, you know, I mean, and I didn't even know why I was like wanting to do it. How many times that we can see the light and you see the change in something and you just want to love on that person? That's why I said any good marriage, if Christ is in it, they're loving on each other because the order is right. The order is right. So let's just lift up our hands. Let's just lift up our hands. Lord, we lift up our hands in honor of you. Lord, we thank you, Father, for our son, Jesus, for your son, Jesus Christ, the firstborn child who came as the Messiah to come and actually pour upon us a spirit of grace. Lord, I ask that everybody opens their eyes and look unto you as the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, faith comes by hearing. So, Lord, help us to hear your way and to see your direction. Lord, I renounce any seductive spirit that is trying to delude and draw our desires into a mindset of lewdness. Lord, I rebuke anything of depression. I rebuke in the mighty name of Jesus anything that is drawing us to fall down and sleep and miss the victory of the Spirit being poured upon us. Lord, open our eyes to know that we have to be filled daily in the mighty name of Jesus, that our spirit increases daily in the mighty name of Jesus, and help us to look unto you early in the morning and to seek your face so that we can receive the outpouring of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit of grace. Lord, Keep our foundation firm. Keep our passion strong. Keep our vision focused unto you. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who showed us the way and who is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, as tomorrow. Lord, you do not change your direction. And Lord, if we don't know which way to go, Lord, we commit ourselves to seeking your word. Because your word says, if you ask, I will answer. If you seek, you shall surely find. And if you knock and you keep pressing, I will open that door. So in Jesus' mighty name, we honor you. We thank you. We glorify your name. And we lift you up in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.